welcome to the Metal Cell podcast. Uh, this is an old school metal one, and I'm absolutely delighted um, to be joined by Tony Boyle and Pat Clancy. How are you, lads? All right. Good, Richie. Good. Good. Boy. Right. Good. So, um, for people that don't know ye, um, I suppose Tony, if you start first and give us an idea of how long you're into metal and what age are you? I got into metal, Pat, um, Richie, about when I was 13 years of age. I'm now over my 50s. Okay, so, so 40 years. It's about 40 years, yeah. What about yeah. you, Pat? Um, 40 years old, Richie. So, I got into metal first, I was about 12, 11, 12. Um, okay. So, early 80s, again, like you know, all right. the usual stuff Maiden, Saxon, Lizzie, Quo. Van Halen, all the usual crack, and just got into heavier stuff as time went on, you know. So, we'll, we'll start with you then, Pat. Um, right, you were, what, 12, is it? Or how did you get into it, first of all? Or was I, it through the radio, or had you an older brother, or what was No, it, it was pure. I heard a few songs on the radio. Um, I remember hearing, like, uh, Run to the Hills, Iron Maiden, on uh, the Larry Gogan's Top 30, of all, you know. I remember uh, Dave Fanning playing a few tracks, like the likes of Girls' School, Def Leppard, um... Rainbow, he used to play stuff like that, Gary Moore, all that kind of crack, like, you know what I mean? So that's kind of, that was how I got introduced to metal through the radio, and the parents bring me into town then, into Golden Discs, go through the records, you know, and uh, something would jump out at you. I remember the first, one of the first records I ever picked up was Iron Maiden Killers. I hadn't heard a note of Iron Maiden, but as soon as I saw the record cover, I just said, like, you know, I had to have it. It looked amazing, like, you know what and I mean? Was there a record player at home, or did you have to buy one? Oh, no, there was a record player at home. Your yeah. dad's? Or yeah, my dad's, yeah. Okay, and what was his music collection like? Uh, everything like he liked a bit of kind of he liked he loves Maiden. He still likes Maiden. Okay, um, likes a bit of Saxon, uh, status quo, um, as well as all the usual Neil Diamond and all that kind of crack. Okay, like, so, you know he'd, he'd, he'd so he'd be yeah, exactly yeah, good cool. mixture. Yeah. Yeah. Tony, about what about you? Yeah, Rich, um, I started the way the way I got to listen to music as such was my older brother Dan. Dan was a big classic rock fan way back in the 70s and 80s. We begin to mainly Zeppelin, um, Rush, uh, Floyd, Wishbone Ash, uh, Sabbath and stuff like that. So it was from him I got my, uh, where my roots started. And what, and what was the age difference between you? There's about five or six years. So he was, uh, you know, he was uh, passing it on to me as such. Or were you robbing it on him? I wasn't robbing it. <laughs> but the thing was, um, when... I used to call to him up to his room. He'd have the vinyls blazing, you know. And I remember this particular day as such, he said to me, sit down, relax, and have a listen to this. And he put on Black Sabbath's album, Black Sabbath. And once I heard the rain, the bells in the background chiming, I just drifted off into it. And that started me off then. So obviously then, you know, he was into Gallagher, Got to start getting a taste for that. And then, as Pat said a while ago, the next thing I heard after that was um, Van Halen, Van Halen 1. Cool. Same scenario. Sit down, listen to this. Listen to the first one, two songs. And then came Eruption. And oh my God, that was yeah. me sold. And that's where I started off. And he brought me to my first gig then as well, like, you know. so Brilliant. Thank yeah, God for yeah. all the brothers. Yeah, thank God. Yeah, my brothers. Well, there's <coughs> 11 years between me and my brother. Um, he had a savage collection as well. And the album that changed it all for me was Saxon Wheels of Steel. Great album. You know, um, it was a case of finding a hurley or a sweeping brush and just pretend it was a guitar and jump around the room. Uh, I eventually went, moved on to a tennis racket then. Yeah. Yeah, could never afford the guitar M- after tennis that. Tennis rackets are better. Yeah, <laughs> more strings anyway. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
um, Pat then so w- where were you living at that stage were you from the city or were you outside no, the city I'm from outside the city I grew up in uh, born and raised in Caroline um, okay. so a bit from there like I like as a young fella uh, Mark Morrissey part of, I actually went to school with Mark you know right. so he's one of the same goes as myself and Mark was into ACDC and all back then as well like you know what I mean okay. so um, lived in Caroline um, went to a few gigs I remember my, my father took me to status quo and uh, my next door neighbour brought me to Saxon and uh, Rory Gallagher in the city hall. At what age were you then? I was uh, 13. Jeez. You know, yeah. so. You were really lucky to have someone to you know. bring along that. Yeah. yeah. And like kind of at that stage, were both of you aware of kind of gangs of lads around the place? Were they into that or were they, was it a whole different scene then? Um, was it into ska or were they just into kind of pop music, you know? Yeah. Um, from How did you find that in school? We'd say. Yeah, for me, there was a few rockers in, in, in school with me, okay. but outside of school, there was a few friends that were, were into kind of punk and stuff like that. Right. You know, Civil Fingers and the Pistols and UK okay. Subs, all that type of stuff. Yeah. But I kind of stuck with the uh, the more metal side of it. I right. you know, classic rock, as I said. Yeah. So. What about you, Pat? Had you many friends into it, Bar? Mark and yeah, it was a, it was a good, like Mark a group we used to hang around together. We were eleven or twelve, you know. It was Mark, myself, and a few other lads, and uh, we were all into our ACDC, you know, Maiden bits of that kind of stuff. Like you know what I mean? Um, outside of that, really, there wasn't a whole lot going on in Caroline. It was just kind of a couple of gangs of lads that were into their rock and metal. But for the most part, it was kind of shunned upon, really, as such. Like you know what I mean? Right. And did you kind of go around to each other's houses and play play music? We did, yeah. Or we'd hang around. We used to go down the riverbank, like and stuff like that, and kind of you know play a few tunes down there, like or you know. A place called the Plots, which was placed over in front of us. We used to kind of hang out down around there as well. And what would you have, Twin Decks? Uh, Twin Decks, yeah, with tapes. Yeah. The tapes is the other way, isn't it? Tony, totally you're laughing. Any memories there? Yeah, same as Pat there. You know, it, there was kind of three or four of us that would always crank it up and just listen to, you know, his Sabbath or whatever, like, you know, or Maiden and things like that. And uh, it, it was just great. You, you know, you still even rem- reminisce about it now, yeah. back to your teens, like, you know, because, as I said, that's where the roots came from and that's, how we develop into spreading out, listen to more bands as such, you know. I remember um, getting cassettes, uh, blank cassettes, um, and just taping. Well, I didn't have the vinyl. Um, another guy had the vinyl, and he'd just make cassettes for us. Um, were you in the same boat, or were you able to buy the cassettes? No, as in full albums in cassettes. Could buy a few, like, but for the most part, when you're when you're that age. You're relying on each other to copy exactly, the latest yeah. exactly, album yeah. and yeah. spread it around that way. Like, you That's know what I mean? So, one guy buy an album, you know, he copied for all of us, yeah. then someone else buy an album and get it around that way. Like, that you know, was it. You know? Yeah, because that's why, why I'm bringing it up because people, again, um, wouldn't be aware of what we used to do that way. So, we'd listen to music, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. you'd always kind of get one then that's probably fourth or fifth copy and it's just Sounds terrible. terrible. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. Yeah. Sounds like it's raining or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, from then, um, we'll say, okay, so you were going to actually gigs uh, very early, like 13, 14, in the city. Um, both of you, Tony, you? Yeah, um, as I said, the way I started off there, uh, Richie was, my brother again, Don, um, down the Arcadia face in the train station was a great venue. Uh, it's apartments now or something like that. But he brought me to see, and it, it was in 1980, it was Hawkwind. All right. Was Haw- Lemmy at with him? At no, he wasn't. Oh. But uh, it was Hawkwind and a band called Vardis were supporting him. And at the time, before Kerrang and Metal Hammer, there was thing, Sounds, Sounds magazine. Right. It was Sounds, like a newspaper. Yeah. And, you know, it had all the ads for guitar players and albums and tours. 
and uh, was that um, an English um, an English an English okay. yeah an English uh, paper as such right. and there was, there was a poster for this band called Vardis and I, I'll never forget it even today I can still remember it the the poster was uh, the guitar player with long blonde hair and the name of the album was 100 Miles Per Hour and they played with uh, Hawkwind and as I said it was about I was 13 I don't know how I got in there. He must have put me under his coat or something, got me in. But uh, it was, and that was a start. And after that, I said, gigs, gigs. That was it, like, you know. Yeah. Um, did any of your friends manage to get in for that gig? No, just the two of us. So you yeah, did yeah. bragging rights then? Yeah, yeah, exactly. For example, Vardis's album, we'll say four bands that came in, or was it just impossible? It was hard. It was yeah. hard. Like, you'd probably, maybe, you know, in from England or somewhere like that, you know. Like, you know, obviously back in the early 80s, with Pat Egan's and stuff like that. And uh, the Queen's of Castle, mm. you get the the albums and things there, and you know you could buy tickets for gigs inside there, inside in the Queen's of Castle, sure, yeah. you know. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And he'd place in the Savoy, well, didn't he? Remember he did. He, yeah. He'd sell all the buttons. <coughs> that's and right. And stuff that's that. right. Twenty four p for a little pin badge. Yeah, the pin badge. Yeah. 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 And would you have ever talked to this guy? Was he a fan, or was he just a, a shrewd businessman kind of? I don't think he was ever even in the shop. I think it was just um, it was also someone else working there. Somebody else working there. Yeah. 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 But so can any of you remember then uh, your first album you bought um, and held in your hand? ACDC High with the Hill. Okay. First one ever. Right. Yeah. yeah. And mine was ACDC Back in Black. The first one I bought on my own money, 1980. And, yeah. and that feeling of going it, home. Do you know, and like, you know, when it's your first vinyl, you're going home, you're playing it, and you're going to play it a hundred times because that's the only vinyl you have. Yeah. But if you hear it again, 10 years later... It brings you back and you kind of go, oh, it does, you yeah. know, so it's your, fa- it's your first album. It's kind of, in a way, your kind of favourite album Yeah, for um, a long time, like, you know. Yeah, I got uh, Saxon Rock the Nations. There you it was yeah. brutal. <laughs> <laughs> and I so wanted to like it. I thought everybody was so good. Yeah. And it was brutal. Brutal. You know, yeah, I, yeah. I got it up in Cork, actually, in Golden <laughs> Discs. And it was the album cover I bought. You know, the way you'd actually gamble sometimes you on, yeah, on yeah. album covers. And I, well, I knew... Of Wheels of Steel, obviously, mm-hmm. I played that to death. So um, I didn't know if, because again, back then you didn't know if the review was good or not because there was really not many magazines that were uh, reviewing the albums. So you just kind of go by the, the cover of it. Yeah, yeah. It was the same for a lot of us. Like a lot of you, you'd see a cover and it would just draw you in and you'd just take a chance based on the cover. Yeah. I remember buying Venom, actually, at War with Satan. Yeah. You know, 1984, it was in Golden Dicks, right? And in Golden Dicks at the time, you'd see, you'd never see Adams and Latin there. Like, no, you wouldn't. Had no. a big import sticker in it, like, but um, I said, look, I'll take a chance in it. The, the logo looked cool, you know? There was a cross in it and it said, at War with Satan. And I was thinking, it's probably at war against Satan. You know, it's probably, <laughs> and, I, and, I started, and I got home and put it on and listened to the lyrics and I actually couldn't believe it. It was so evil satanic you know it was just i just couldn't believe what i was listening to for me at the time the number of the beast was like you know very satanic like, yeah, you know what i mean yeah, yeah. but then when i heard this and the lyrics are beyond belief like you know what i mean it yeah. just blew my mind completely like you know what about hiding it from your parents they didn't mind they were pretty okay with that stuff really yeah, yeah yeah okay yeah what about you tony yeah no problem no problem whatsoever like you know um but as you said Peter, like when you see import on it yeah you say there's only two or three of these around. Like, there's no way other people have this particular one. Yeah. And it would kind of push it to pick it up. Okay. You know, back in the day, you'd kind of say, oh, there's only two or three of those around. And That's interesting that you brought it up. Can you remember actually competing with your friends for albums? Like, you who, know? Or who's going to go in and get it first, is it? Yes. Um, I suppose back in those days, Richie, like, you know, it was a lot more simpler. 
you'd be delighted if everybody went in and bought one. Okay. At least you'd hear it as well. Yes. You know? Yeah. I mean, obviously, maybe three or four weeks later, you might have enough money to go in and buy a different one. Yeah. And that's how it worked. Like, it, was no, it was, yeah. There was no competitive streak in, it, yes. in that sense, like, you know? Because boy, I brought that up again because people don't understand, you know, how how hard it was to get these things. Yeah. So myself and my friend Timmy, we, we doubled up. So between us, we get one. You know, we'd never get the same, obviously. But mm, yeah. you know, I got the Slayer, he got Metallica, whatever. That was the way we kind of worked. Or yeah, well, because you were just always broke. You know, you really didn't have uh, the money to buy these um, albums that certainly weren't available in Cork. Yeah. Um. So when did you discover Tommy Ty, or did you did you actually send off to England? It was obviously you were still referencing sounds for albums, were you? Yeah. For collection-wise. Uh, magazine reviews, like Metal Forces, no. Um, yeah. Kerrang! was great back in the day. It you know, was. Remember making Metal Kerrang! That's right. Like, you know, the start, it was brilliant. Fantastic. Metal Hammer was even okay back in the yeah. mid-80s. Like, you know that, what I mean? that arrived later than Kerrang! did it? Metal Hammer would have arrived yeah. later than Kerrang! So yeah. it was yeah. Kerrang! first then. Kerrang! here, well, both magazines, were on, they were still in sale kind of 85, 86. Like, oh, you know yeah. what I mean? You know, yeah. they were bought in sale around then. And, yeah. Uh, Sounds was like I think Sounds has probably gone by about 82, 83. It was, it was, yeah. It was kind of more 70s when the Sounds... It was, yeah. So when did you notice then um, the change in the Irish metal scene um, locally? The change in the Irish metal scene locally? I suppose my first experience of that was probably, I remember going to see Judgment and another friend I knew in Carrigaline. We went out to the powder mill, it was called in Ballincollig at the mm-hmm. time. It was 88, like it was one of their first gigs. Right. Went out there, he knew about it because he went to school in Ashton and he knew a couple of lads in the city, like you know what I mean? Okay. I knew nothing about Judgment, but I just thought, look, a metal trash gig have to go like so we were out to Ballancolic watched it there like you know what I mean and what was was there a crowd there there was a crowd there we're all local all locals like they're all okay. you know but uh, it, was, it was brilliant to see like you know what I mean but so that was kind of your first real that was trash. my first real trash gig in Cork anyway like okay. you know what I mean yeah. Tony um, from me Richie I'd say like as Pat said they were going to see Quo and Lizzie and Saxon in the City Hall and stuff like that but then more locally there was a few local bands um Jink, Jinx there Jinx, Jinx. Was there a drive shaft as well Jory, Jory Lane yeah. drive shaft That's what's right. the story about them because uh, one of the lads brought up in the first old school metal yeah. but they didn't seem to know much about about the band they were a very good band Jory Jory was a great guitar player singer um, Brian Crowley Brian Crowley the TD or, oh yeah. yeah yeah. Brian sang with them for a while wow yeah and they seen him inside in um, City Hall City Hall yeah, yeah. they played yeah. with uh, the Saxon and that's they, right they played with Gallagher as well they, they did, Gallagher they did. And John they did. Of as well. yeah. that's right yeah so that was 1984 yeah, yeah. Jeremy Nagel actually still around the place I am he plays in the blues band no that's right yeah, I saw him in Ziggy's seen him in Ziggy's there over about a year ago I'd say. Yeah, yeah. and uh, he's still around the scene like, you know what I mean okay. yeah he yeah. played the band as well called um, what were they called again a metal band um, name escapes you know at the moment they were kind of originally formed back in the new wave of British heavy metal, but they released an album a couple of years back. Oh, it wasn't uh, Rogue Mail, was it? No, not oh, Rogue right, Mail. Right, right. Um, begins with the name. It'll come to me now in a while. Yeah, that's yeah. fine. That was 1984, 85, is it? Now, no, this, uh, this is only recently put out. Uh, oh, right. This oh, was about five right. years ago. Okay. Um, the singer Ross Torlach, well, right. he, he actually passed away since. Well, like the likes of Jinx, no, Jinx, this okay. band, they were kind of rock and blues band, and, they, you know, they used to do great covers, Priest, you know, Saxon, Wainty, and you know, and they that have done to, to spot on, like, yeah. and they used to kind of do community centres and little kind of you know back of a lorry and things like that. Okay, and they used to do a few gigs around the place and so down no, Cove and stuff like. So there was you know. no real established venue in Cork. Um, we'll say after the Arcadia. Or um, was there? Well, Sir Henry's. 
Henry's would have been, yeah. Henry's, yeah. like, you know. Yeah. Okay, downstairs Sorry. in the village, is it? Or? Uh, no, no, it was actually in the main venue, wasn't it? In the main venue, yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, you know, and some great, some good bands got in there, like, you know, and as as we said, you know, Acid Rain and stuff like that, some good the bands. Acid, the Acid Rain gig, yeah. were we all at that? I think we yeah. yeah. April 1990. The three of us right. were at it. Yeah. DM was supported as well, That's correct, yeah. I just remember not seeing the band. I remember everyone was, everyone was up on the stage. Yeah, yeah, I don't think I've ever been at a gig that has, has had so many stage dives. And you know what? I don't normally go in for a mosh or anything like that, but that particular night I did, I must have got caught up in the flow. Yeah. But I came out with two black eyes, and I was saying, oh, my, you know, so uh, it was one of the one of those gigs that you just get roped into, you know. But uh, What was, year was that, lads? That was 1990. Was it 1990? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, but again, kind of like the early 80s, um, We'd say, of course, Metallica released Master Puppets in 86 and Slayer had uh, Rain and Blood in 86 as well. When did you move from buying vinyl from England to Europe or America? Had you any of these stretched out to um, bands? Not not in 86. I, I started buying vinyl abroad from about 88 on. Okay. You know, two mail orders, you know, like Wild Rags Records in the States. I used right. to get records from them. Um, TPL in Sweden, or House of Kicks, I got a, a bit later. Um a few places that there was a place called, in the UK as well called Round Diamond Records right. you know about 89 day were around like so, so people wouldn't know what a mail order is either uh, can you yeah. just develop mail order is basically it was like these advertising magazines or fanzines right. like you know what I mean okay. and they give a list of records and the prices like you know what I mean right. and uh, you know and they give the rates then for international shipping and stuff like that like you know what I mean so, so mail order was like a check mail order no no not so much like a check Um, you'd send what you do is you'd send a, a post or a money order international right. money order right Um. With your with your order of records, what you want, okay. including the shipping cost, and um, you get them back in the mail, and probably a month later, like you know what I mean. It would be, it would take a month, yeah. But a month, yeah, generally, okay. yeah. And um, that's that's including America as well. No, America would be longer. I was waiting three months for a package from from the states once. I didn't think I was ever going to get it. What what, I, what album was it? Uh, at the time, what was it? Uh, it was a sarcophago Ionori. Was it or oh, volcano bloody vengeance and um, mutilator mortal force? Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> And where did you, was that in New York? Um, no, no, California. California, yeah, okay. Yeah. So maybe at this stage it's a good idea um, to kind of recognise Pat's um, huge record collection and uh, CD tapes. Roughly how many have you, Pat? All in all, I'd say about 9,000 between vinyl CDs and tapes. Which is uh, fairly incredible. And your curator of all that in one house, correct? In one house, yeah, all over the house, <laughs> bungalow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's an incredible achievement. Um, so from we'd say sixteen, seventeen, you were s- stockpiling really. Pretty much, yeah. Once I got out of school and started earning money, even yes. beforehand, I was getting summer jobs. Every penny I ever got, I was buying foot records with. Like you know what I mean? Okay. You know, my dad used to go with work up to meetings in Dublin. He used to be calling to the sound center. He'd give him a list of stuff. He'd be bringing them home, like you know what I mean. Jeez. So my dad even knows Tommy Tyke, you okay. know, from back then, because he used to be in there every couple of weeks, like you know what I mean. You know, brilliant. You know, um, Tommy Tyke actually has a good relationship with a lot of us, and um, we all know him by name, you know. And yeah. uh, he's a great man to uh, make sure he we all know that we're not from Dublin. Yeah, he's yeah. yeah. about it. <laughs> what about you, Tony? Um, did you can you remember actually kind of that feeling of sending off a money order into? Um, big wide world and hoping and praying that you'll get an album back <laughs> no what i used to richie was 
my still my wife and and we used to go over to London she, and had um her family or well, her grandparents were from Cork originally lived in London. Okay. So we used to commute over every few weeks or every few months. But every Christmas we used to go over for a week or so and once we hit London Christmas, any money I saved up throughout the year I used to go over. And that time we were coming back by ferry, so there was oh, no, yes. no no harm bringing back, you know, 30 or 40 albums, which you like. Really? You know, yeah, you'd, you'd, you'd buy that amount? Year. You would, you'd save up during Jesus. the year. Like. Plus, a lot of them might be secondhand that you'd pick up over there that you wouldn't get in Cork at okay. all then, like, you know, and as Pat said, they're kind of the imports or the unusual ones, you know, you yes. know, the coloured vinyls and stuff and things like that. So it was, I'd always look forward into heading over there and. Yeah. You know, I, even when I still go over now I still do it you know go really, over yeah. and have a walk around to a few little places there and but uh, yeah I suppose record fairs uh, do any of you hit record fairs? used yeah. to but not anymore Okay, you know, I think the selection is a lot poorer than what it used to be and the prices have skyrocketed towards have, what, yeah. you, what you pay through on Discogs now like they're even more expensive at the record fairs like, you know what I mean Okay. so they've they've copped on to what people are willing to pay for records yes. and they're charging the same themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Like years ago, you get great bargains of record fairs, like, you know what I mean? Mm. Or even second-hand shops. I remember buying Death Crush in Dublin in a second-hand shop in Georgia Street Arcade. Yeah. You know, it's worth about two grand now. You know what I mean? The 87 Mini LP. It was there, 2.99. Some guy came in and just offloaded it. You know what I mean? And uh, couldn't believe it. You, know? you, you were aware of what the album was? And well, to be honest, even back then, it wasn't a worth, you know, to me, it wasn't worth a whole lot okay. fine, uh, or in terms of money like you know but it did escalate yeah. in time with the whole the whole escalation the black metal thing and stuff like that like you know what okay. I mean you know? what do you now that you brought it up what's what's your most uh, prized possession uh, what, well what album is worth the most is it that one I don't know. Well, uh, no, I sold it. I sold it again. I did sold you? it about ten years ago for two hundred and ten sterling. Did you? Yeah, I did. Yeah. All right. I didn't. I didn't never talk much of the album. Like you know what yeah, I mean? Okay. Yeah. I liked their one later, the mysteries of Satanus. Right. That's the next list to me. That's the best thing mayhem ever done. Um, I still have that. That's worth a nice bit of money now as well. Um, a lot of the black black metal stuff. No, like um, the early Burzum records. You know, I've asked a twelve inch with a, a zippo zippo lighter that came with initial copies of the album. That's worth a lot of money. Um. Is this, I suppose, on the backs, Lords of Chaos? Were you actually um, communicating with any of those guys that were in the movie? Yeah, I was. I communicated with Euronymous. I wrote to him. I have their Death Crush demo. I still have their demo tape at home. Um, John from Dissection. No, he wasn't in the movie, but he was. Uh, you know, he was closely aligned with that whole scene at the time. Like, you know what I mean? Right. I wrote to loads of bands that died. Like, I've uh, demos by Hades, Gorgoroth. You know, a lot of these Norwegian yeah, bands. Yeah. So I just wrote off and got the demos. Like, you know, I still have the demo tapes at yeah. home. Like, you know and you have the correspondence as well. Yeah, yeah. I still have the letters and stuff like that. That's amazing. Yeah. It's, yeah, it, yeah. That is a huge chunk of that history. It is. You know? Yeah. Um, what about you, Tony? Uh, did you make any contact with any bands? Um, you know, fan mail or pen pals or any? I didn't really, Richie. I just, as I said, you'd pick up, you know, unusual vinyls and stuff like that, you know. And obviously, if you went to see a gig here or in, in the UK... You might hang around afterwards and yes. hopefully and you bump into someone, him yeah. and get an autograph or a, a snap with him or something like that, you know. Yeah. Um, so, as I said, you know, the unusual vinyls would be kind of what you'd, you'd be, looking be looking for. Looking and, for yeah. you know, if you were really interested, you could obviously write away to them and see what the... Any particular vinyls that stand out for you oh. that you loved? And well, I think one of my favourite ones is the uh, Motorhead No Sleep, no Sleep Hammersmith. It's a gold vinyl. Gold. Yeah, okay. yeah. It's, I don't know. Obviously, limited edition. How many of them is there? I couldn't tell you, but I bought that in in England, in London, and I'll never forget it for the whole. When I bought it, I came home and I said, "My brother Aiden, Aiden's a huge metal fan. We had bunk beds, and you couldn't see the ceiling or the walls with the posters we had, 
and there was a big morehead poster I'd say about four feet wide up on, up in the ceiling with the, the Holy Trinity Fast Eddie Lemmy and Phil, and um, I'd say for the whole summer I put it on oh. and played it to death and I met a guy there about I'd say four years ago five years ago the guy I hadn't seen for years and he says I'll always remember he says that no sleep Hammerson he said you fucking wore it down he says <laughs> but it was just it's just one of those ones you know yeah. to, uh, but that was I'd say one of my favourites yeah, no, yeah. Sure, yeah of course it's it quite sentimental too like you know of course yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, my brother had that on cassette actually so yeah. I inherited that when he left yeah, yeah. Um, and it was just fascinating just even opening up the cassette and seeing um, the live pictures and mm. going imagine being at that what yeah. year was that lads any idea 83 I guess it was earlier it was earlier was it 81 81 wasn't it yeah. did uh, you get a chance to see Motorhead by any chance <laughs> It's know. a story I don't tell. It's a story I don't tell too often enough. Pat's aware of it. Probably are, I'd say. In 1981, um, Motorhead were touring, and it was the Ace of Spades tour. Right. And they were coming to Ireland. Okay. And <clears throat> myself, my wife, and uh, Michael Milner, great friend of mine, back in the day, we were at the, the three of us were joined at the hip, and um, we myself and Michael were huge into Motorhead. Okay. So we got wind of it that they were coming. So, as we said, mentioned earlier about Paddy Egan's, we went into Paddy Egan's and in, inside in the Queen's Oak Castle, and we bought our tickets for it. Right. And I just, I just kind of refreshed my mind the night about it, just to make sure I was right. And I knew the date even before I googled it. It was the twenty second of December, nineteen eighty one. So, we went away. We got our bullet belts, our jackets, the whole lot, our motor t-shirts were pressed and cleaned. So off in town. Strutting down the South Mall, could see the City Hall, they're playing the City Hall, could see the City Hall, walking down along. Obviously no social media, no phones, nothing. This yeah. guy walks against us, he says, you won't believe it, the gig is cancelled. And I says, not a hope, I says, no way it could be cancelled. We know they played, they played in Dublin last night or they're playing Dublin tomorrow, whatever. Okay. He says, no, I'm telling it's cancelled. So we walked up to City Hall, got to the door and the man says, sorry lads, the gig is cancelled tonight. It was our first and only opportunity to see the three lads together. Yeah. So um, the 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 Trinity, as we call it. Yeah, yeah. And um, I, the man says, not gig is cancelled uh, completely. He says, and I said, what's the reason? He said, this was what they said anyway. Is that um, the city hall wouldn't allow him hang the bomber up over the stage? Oh. And they pulled the plug on it. Jesus. A few days later, we brought our tickets back and got a refund mm. and. It was, do you know what? That's it was, it, it was like a death in the family yeah, because yeah, yeah. the excitement for weeks was unbelievable. We said eventually we're going to see him, mm. and the next time I saw more ahead after that was the um, another perfect day tour with Brian Robertson. Right, and, and yeah, I think um, I think Martin um, commented on that. They, they, they weren't great. Yeah, the the sound like it was outdoors. The sound was you know yeah. whirling around like you know and. Yeah, so so that was the only uh, my only opportunity to catch him, but unfortunately not. Are you a fan, Pat, of Motorhead? Uh, do you know something? I was never a big Motorhead fan. Okay. I, I liked the albums, like, but mm. I don't. I never fell in love with them the way other people did. Yeah, like, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. You know, I did see him once. Though, I actually saw him on my honeymoon. Did you in Mannheim in Germany back oh. in two thousand? You know? Yeah. That we was were, a happy we were, coincidence. Happy. We were in Heidelberg, which is just down the road, and we saw an ad up for Metal Two Thousand, and um, there was Slayer, there was Maiden, 
there was made my headline there was slayer there was motorhead and running wild mm. all in this thing so we i said to the wife look you know it's a no-brainer like you know what i mean <laughs> as you do on your honeymoon of course yeah, you know? yeah. i have a present for you yeah i know yeah you know yeah but, uh, she can you know she listens to this like you know but yeah. uh, you know but there's a uh, brilliant as well we're going to see like you know what i mean yeah um what about Iron maiden or are, are you fans yeah i love maiden yeah. so did any of you can any of you remember the first time you saw him yeah dublin 1990 okay which tour was that there was no pair for the dying tour okay yeah, yeah. it was the first time in ireland not a fan of that album but anyway yeah. well, not, not particularly not but uh, look it was the first time ever coming yeah. to ireland um wolf spain supported never thought much of them myself like you know but uh Maiden was fantastic to see him. Like to be honest, I've only I've seen Maiden six times o- over the years. Like you know what I mean. Right. But they've always put on a fantastic show. Like you know what I mean. You know yeah. they do. I caught him, and it's one of my favorite gigs ever. Was um, Donington '88, uh, Seven Sun tour. Okay. And yeah. 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 Or oh, the stage. Yeah, yes. it was absolutely off the chart. It was spectacular. Yeah. It was night time, and you know, as you said, the stage and stuff like that. Hundred and six thousand people, like on a hill, looking at this and. You know, obviously, you know, the Guns N' Roses, Halloween, David Lee Roth, Guns, you know, so it was a great, it was my first time being at Donington and it was absolutely, but made in Seven Sun Tour, it was brilliant. That was a concept album as well. Wasn't it, it was, yeah, yeah, it was yeah. great. I, I, um, I left them after that. Yeah. I, summer in time, probably. Mm. And then after that, I, I listened to Seven Sun and I, I just, like a lot of people love that album, you yeah, know, yeah. and I just went, mm, not too sure yeah. about it. Yeah. And then it was a Can I Play With Madness? And oh, yeah. yeah I just yeah, lost yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Up, you know? It was interesting because um, you were saying the same. Um, it's it's just people's opinions. You were saying the same about uh, Sepultura as well. Mm, yeah. Um, how did you come across them? Can you remember? I came across them. I actually got their schizophrenia album before it became huge. Um, I thought schizophrenia was... I got that and Morbid Visions together. And okay. basically Devastation, the first... Three of them together, um, all in the one package. I thought schizophrenia was all of this world at the same. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, Amazing. Nobody had heard of them, you mm-hmm. know. And then Beneath the Remains came out and, the, you know, <laughs> they are, blew, blew the fucking roof yeah. off the place. Like, you know what I mean? Um, to me, that was their pinnacle. Like, Beneath the Remains is absolutely outstanding like, in it every is, way. Yeah. Like, you know? I remember when it came out and they showed footage. I remember watching the footage of our friend's house. He'd MTV, because we didn't know MTV, but uh, they did a, a Headbangers Ball special. It was live at the Marquee, you know, and they did the footage of them, of their show, in the marquee supporting Sodom, like you know what I mean, mm, and they played in herself and stronger than hate. And you know, the, the, the reaction from the people after the gig there was Don K from Kerrang was interviewed, and a few more, and they just their minds were blown, like they were comparing it. It was the best thing they'd ever seen outside of Slayer, like you know what I mean. Yeah, some people were saying it was even better than Slayer, like and, yeah, you know, it was absolutely unbelievable, like you know. And mm. I saw them then the following May in the top hat in Dunleary, that's right, that they did their yeah. Beneath the Remains headline tour, absolutely was brilliant, yeah. oh it was phenomenal, yeah unbelievable you know, but I think that, that was their pinnacle, a rise came afterwards, I thought a rise is okay but yeah. I thought it was a bit overproduced, mm. I think Andy Wallace is involved in the production of that, he was, you're right, you know? yeah. that's right yeah. um, and to me it just wasn't, I still like the album don't get me wrong but I think um, they were on a downward slope, I think Chaos ID when it came out, I hated it. You were gone. Yeah, Roots, same. Good. Like, yeah, uh, yeah, just yeah, never yeah, liked anything yeah. beyond. Um, of course, um, Morris Sound. I think that was for uh, Beneath the Remains. Yeah, when yeah. With Scott, what's it? Scott, Scott Burns? Burns yeah. yeah, he produced some fantastic albums out there. A lot oh, of bands did. went to him. Yeah. You know, um, the Top Hat and Dunleary. Um, a lot of people have never been there. Uh, what, what, what did it hold capacity wise? And was it um, cold, damp, dark place? It was about, was I'd say about 1, About people, that, yeah. yeah. Well, it was warm and sweaty when you were leaving. It was, uh, yeah. it was, it was, it was, it was um, 
I'd say some of the best gigs I've ever seen was there. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I've seen... Um, I spent a few? Sepultura definitely was off the Scale. charts. Um, I saw Wasp in there. I saw Mamstein. Ingrid Mamstein in there. I saw... Were you at the Antrax one, Pat? No, I didn't. I was at the, the, Antrax the, the famous no. Antrax one where they so walked they off, the off the stage. stage. Yeah. Um, yeah. Can you tell us about that? Yeah. Um, Antrax came on playing a great set. A few songs into it. That, for some reason, a lot of guys up the front were spitting and glugging and stuff like that. And um, I think it was Scott Ian came over and just said, look, any more spitting and we're going to walk off the stage. And the, I'd say he hadn't finished the syllables and this guy, a few people just glugged on top of him and that was it. Yeah. Turn off understand. the amps, turn off the stuff and walked off the stage and people were, you know, but, uh, uh, you know, he was right. It was shocking, like, you know. I don't understand why people would, would spit. <coughs> At Antrax, yeah, I mean, yeah, you'd yeah. say something if it was a punk. Mm. That's where it came from. It came from the punk, punk, yeah, 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 And used to, a lot of punks used to go no to these gigs as well. Like, right? yeah. Oh, was that yeah. it? Yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah. that's ah, it. right, okay, yeah. yeah, you know, just because it followed the kind of heavy music, whatever, the kind of trash and punk. There was yeah. always that bit of crossover, there was you know? a bit of crossover, yeah, they right, do, in fairness, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. So they were the memorables. What about you, Pat, for the top the hat? Top hat. I think Slayer in '88. Yeah, unbelievable. Slayer nuclear assault. Oh, absolutely unbelievable. You know. Savage altogether, yeah. you know. Blew my mind. It was only eighteen years old, like you know what I mean? But uh, absolutely incredible, like you know what I mean? That's, that was South Heaven, wasn't it? Yeah, South Heaven tour, yeah, yeah it was, yeah. yeah. Did any of you see Metallica in Top Hat? Meta- I didn't miss I missed it. No, no. 88, no. I missed it. Yeah. Yeah. No. I loved it. Danzig. They played two nights there. But they're two yeah, yeah, two nights of Danzig supporting. You know? I was I was never in I don't think I was I don't think I was ever in the top hat. Um what did it look like? Was it kind of like the Academy scale wise? Is there anything you could compare it to? Uh, the academy, not, do you know something? They turned it into a nice skating rink afterwards. That's okay, what it so became. it was a nice, nice sized venue. It was a good like. sized venue, good like, size. you know? and there was an upstairs one there. Kind of balcony, yeah, yeah, balcony, yeah, balcony area, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. And was the balcony overlooking the stage or was it back? No, it was overlooking, the, well, it was yeah. overlooking the stage, but back, you know, you the front crowd, and then say maybe maybe 50, air, not 50 feet back, I'd say. That's right, balcony, yeah, okay, yeah. And the stage was that head height or was it lower? It was head height, head height, yeah, yeah, it's a good stage. Right, yeah. and the sound was always good there, yeah. Savage. It was great. It was great. Even even Wasp, you know, like Chris Holmes and the lads. Oh, it was yeah, great, great show, like. And um, that Wasp tour was that the Electric Circus? or Was it before? Um, it was the Headless Children. Is it? Headless oh, Children. Headless yeah, Children. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Another yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, great live band. Great. Do you know, uh, Richie? I'd say the last four or five times they've come, I've gone to see him because you know the show they put on is absolutely spectacular and. To me, anyway, as a fan, because you see Blackie Lawless and he's giving it his all out in front, singing and playing the guitar and stuff like that. But he has the um, the projectors behind of the old videos of him 30 years ago. And every every few minutes he turns on, he looks back at the screen and I say, you could nearly see tear in his eye. He's so excited okay. about it, you know what I mean? And he plays on and they put a super show on. Okay. I'd go and see him. All the time, if I could, but I, really, he's you know great, a great band of fairness. Like they are, they are, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, Faith Moore, I still play there. So Faith Moore, actually, in nineteen ninety. In the top hat, yeah, the top hat, yeah, yeah, yeah. Prong yeah. supported. Oh, oh wow! Yeah, yeah, the reason yeah. we kind of went because DRA played the night before in McGonagall's. Oh yeah, we went for two days, so we saw DRA the night before McGonagall's. Stayed overnight in the hostel with the Faith Moore and Prong then the following night. You know what I mean? That's insane. I mean, like when you think of the bands that were coming to Dublin. Then, you know, it was like, there was three or four tours always going through it, you know, and yet nothing down in Cork. Yeah. Nothing in Cork, yeah. I know. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, like, 
it was either Dublin or across the water, like, you know, went to, across the water a few times for some of the big shows, like, you know. Um, what was what was maybe any kind of standout shows? Probably what were what was your first three or four shows that you went across? The, probably London, anyway. Was London, it? yeah. I'd say like as I said, no, Donington obviously in eighty eight. But my I'd say one of my favourite few bands on the bill was um, Clash of Titans in nineteen ninety in Wembley. Oh wow! And that was absolutely mind blowing. It really was because at the time Megadeth, Slayer, they were all at Testament. The they were bang on the money like you know yeah. they were really you know things were just fitting perfectly and suicidal tendencies in like so we went off out to Wembley in October 1990 and met a few lads from Cork over there I met Paul McGuire there oh Paul yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. and another few lads from Cork and right. uh, we went and it was absolutely spectacular mm. it really was you know Slayer Slayer headlined and that was fabulous it really was so that was 1990 1990 yeah, yeah. okay I'm just trying to think uh, Testament would have been Souls, Souls of Black, Black yeah, okay. yeah. Um, and at the time I was a huge huge Testament fan big guitar fan especially Alex Galnick known guys like that you know and the day, I think it was the day before Tower Records were doing a meet and greet and Vanessa Warwick out of uh, Headbangers Ball, Ball. Yeah. she was cruising up and down outside chatting to people where are you from and oh we're from Ireland we're from Cork oh Hopefully we'll get to meet the lads inside. And um, we went in, but I uh, I actually had the Swords of Black Vinyl with me. I think I bought into records, actually, right. before I went in. And uh, went in and we got a photograph with all the lads. Um, I got the album signed by each one of them. Uh, even Louis Clement on the drums, like, you know, which is That's which was nice scarce, scarce enough, like, yes. you know. And I uh, got photographs with the lads. And uh, I had a, uh, a leather biker jacket on me. Okay. And I said, "Why well, keep going?" So they signed the back of the jacket for me then in silver pen, like you know. Right. So sure, that was that was, <laughs> that was t- took off straight away, like and hidden, you know. So, yeah, um, yeah Testament was black at that time. They're a band actually um, that will never, never play a bad show. They're yeah, always really, yeah. really strong, really yeah, good. I, yeah. I've seen them a lot of times. Yeah. And Chuck Billy is probably one of the best front men out there. He's great. Yeah. You know, yeah, just yeah. the way he can command an audience. Yeah, yeah, he's great. He's great. I, I went to see them in the in London there for the, um, the live in London um, DVD that I borrowed at that time. Remember the live? Oh, I do, yeah, yeah I so yeah. the in the Cocoa Club in London, it was at that gig, like you know, and it was, it was great because you're looking for something in the crowd going, "Is that me there?" Or you know, yeah, but, yeah. you know, it's kind of more sentiment too. Like, did you get over much to England, Pat? I got over. You know, the first time I got to England was in '91, mm. and I was to see Slayer on the, the you know, the Decade of Aggression tour. They played oh, yeah, the Hammersmith yeah. Audience. Mm-hmm. I went over my Todd, the first time ever in London, like pure Paddy over in London, like you know. <laughs> arrived over the ferry, you know, Stafford. Yeah, that was the way to go. You know, like, arrived yeah. in Victoria Station six o'clock in the morning, knew nothing about tubes or nothing and all that, like you know. And just stood there trying to get on my bearings for an hour. But look, I got there and I ended up in a stand, a place called the Mail Coach, you know, in Shepherd's Bush. Yeah, you know, but. uh I got there anyway, and uh, Slayer were over this world, like, you know what I mean? Right. Mindfunk didn't really care about them, like, you know what yeah. I mean? Oh, Mindfunk yeah. supported them, yeah. They, supported yeah, them yeah, they yeah. had a great first album. I liked it, anyway, the first yeah, album. Yeah, I never liked it. Two, two guys from, um, was it M.O.D.? Was it? Oh, yeah, yeah. Louis yeah. Whitek and some other for that yeah, time, sure. yeah. 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 Funk, yeah, yeah, funk, yeah. Yeah, it's funny now you brought them up because myself and Martin Welch were talking about them. He actually gave me that album. Mm. Uh, the second album was... Uh, not, not worth mentioning, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, um, so then... From England, you never did you get across to Europe much? Not back then, anyway. No, not for me, anyway. Like, no, I just, okay. you know, 
Flights were too expensive back then. Like, it was, yeah, yeah, yeah you're yeah, right. Yeah, you'd have to actually go across land, mm. really, by bus. Yeah, yeah, by ferry. Like that's that. what we did. Like, just 40, <laughs> yeah. 40 quid for the ferry. <laughs> for was that, uh, you know, and that, that came from Tralee, first of all, beforehand. It was like a 17 hour trip or something. It was, it was unreal, yeah, yeah. I'm trying to remember, they probably had a Jacks on the bus, did they? Or had they? Whether there was smoking or not, smoking didn't matter anyway because there was probably smoking all the way over and back. Yeah, yeah, when you think of it, like it's crazy. You see, this is the whole idea of this um, show as well, just to kind of, you know, to leave people know the the actual suffering you had to do yeah. on a bus for seventeen hours, yeah. trying to sleep on a bus seat. Yeah. Even it was just hellish. The shows then in Cork, I think, came along to Krushkin Lawn. Can you remember those, Tony? Um, I suppose. Winterfest and them started around 2006. That's right, yeah. yeah. Um, what are your memories of that? Um, as a venue, first of all, can any of you remember when they started playing uh, metal music there? Was it around then, probably, was it? Yeah, probably around then, I'd say, Richie, yeah. Um, um, who bought it or who was who wanted it then? Do you only, like, I started kind of going in there as such when Karen, Karen O'Reardon was running it and Jim Tobin was doing gigs and stuff, you know. Yes, Jim from Sirocco. Yeah, Again, Jim from Sirocco. Another shout out to Yeah, Jim. yeah, good old Jim. Yeah. And, um, like that, no, there was bands coming there and I was saying, surely that can't be that band or this band, and you mm. know, and I'd say, we'll go and have a look and lo and behold, you go in and there was, you know, Napalm Death or whoever inside yeah. and you're kind of going this is unbelievable well, you actually one of the you know I, I would compare it to um, Acid Rain um, was Exodus and if you say Exodus yeah, yeah Exodus, I did yeah, yeah. yeah that was just that was mental unbelievable just to have Gary Gary Holt yeah, yeah it was it was a great like that yeah it's yeah, really yeah. in their face wasn't yeah it? it was it was I remember going to see um, what did I see inside or no um, Ball Thrower Peter Ball Thrower that's what I was yeah. looking for yeah and it was so loud inside there that when I came out, I wasn't drinking. I was right. driving home. Okay. And I stopped the car about four times on the road because I thought the windows were open. But it was actually the buzzing in my ears was just... Yeah, it yeah. was loud. It yeah. was loud. Oh, but it was a great gig again, like, you know. Never saw a ball throw. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. gut-wrenching, actually. You know, like as yeah. you said, Pat, did some yeah. great oh, savage. savage bands inside there. Speaking of ball throw, actually, as well, the time they played Dublin, go back to your point earlier about gigs being cancelled. Mm-hmm. They played ninety one in Dublin, right? Okay. I just go back to the time there was no social media, there was no <laughs> networking or nothing. We all tore up in the train up to Dublin for the gig. I remember being in the sound cellar. There was guys from Galway, from Sligo, from Limerick, and all there. When and we were all told the gig was after being cancelled. Yeah. We don't understand no, no explanation, but look, they were rescheduling it for a few weeks later, and. Uh, Everyone had taken time off work. I think it was yeah. a Thursday or Friday. So people had taken two days off work to right. stay at a hostel and come back the following day. So people were gutted, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. But it just shows you back then that, like, when there's no kind of form of communication... That, of course. You no, know, you, exactly. You wouldn't... You wouldn't, you wouldn't have a clue, like, you, you know what I mean? Yeah. No, no. You know? Unless you rang the sounds that are... And they might yeah. have the news, maybe. Yeah. 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 What, what tour was that? Can you remember? That was the Warmaster tour. All oh, right, so that yeah. was probably one of the first ones then. Yeah, was it was it? the 91, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 It was their second time in Ireland, actually. They played in Ireland a couple of years before that. I think well, they're a band that actually grew in stature after they broke up. People actually got into them even more so and just realised they were one of the best yeah. English bands. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the early albums are brilliant. Long long time. Yeah. yeah, I haven't, to be honest, like after the fourth crusade and uh, what was the one after that was, I can't remember what it's even called, no, like, you know, I just, you know, it became a bit samey for me, like, you know. Okay. I like the early ones. That's just my own opinion, like, you know. Yeah, yeah. But I have that opinion about a lot of bands anyway, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. But yeah. That's just, just, just me, like. <laughs> How did you actually stray into black metal? 
Um, I got into it probably through death metal. There was uh, again, I got big into death metal back in what, 88, 89. I started tape trading with people all around the world. Right. Um, that's how I made some contacts. You know, like uh, you know, like Murray, you know, from Sai, let's say, like you know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, Mick F. Mimpe Nazarene. Um, I used to write to him. Uh, we used to trade tapes. Um, guys from the states. I used to get demo tapes, and they they'd send me stuff that they copied, and they send stuff back. Like you know what I mean. Okay. So that was how we heard a lot of the underground stuff back then. Like you know what I mean. Right. It was true tape trading. Like you know what yes. I mean. You know, and uh, it was great. Like I, I remember, put, I put an ad into Metal Forces. I think it was in, back in nineteen eighty nine, and just gave a list of all the kind of undergoing death metal bands that I was looking for. Like you know what I mean? And uh, I got in on data with letters to the post. And would you send me? People send me their lists, and oh, they send them back their lists. And like, and we just start trading tapes with each other. Like you know what I mean? So in no time at all, you'd be gathering up a big collection of kind of yeah, undergoing yeah. stuff. Like you know? Yeah. And uh, that that's from there. Then I suppose then. The next progression was black metal, like you know what I mean. So a lot of the time was uh, there was a bit of a crossover between death and black metal, like you know. Yes, there was. Some bands like bands like Acheron, from the states, like would have been seen as black metal, but more death metal sound wise, like you know what yeah, I mean. Or yeah. a lot of death metal bands were kind of more satanic teams. Yeah. You know, kind of be, you know turned into black metal bands along the way and things yeah, like mm-hmm. that. So it was, it was. It's a it's a hard uh, genre to get into black metal because it is so extreme. Yeah. Um, are you a fan Tony? Like you're probably like me, you can only go so far. And yeah, you see, though in fairness, there's some absolutely brilliant bands out there, but yeah. I wouldn't have the, uh, you know, what Pat would know in that sense. Like yes. he's he's uh, back cataloging, he's encyclopedia of these bands as such, you know. Um, me being kind of more a guitar player myself, I'm kind of more along the melodic type of metal, okay. like, you know, mainly trash or something like that lines, you know, yeah. or, you know, guitar guitar yeah. players like Satriani and stuff like that and Steve Voy and Mamstein and stuff yeah. so back from the 80s but um, black metal I'd listen to a few bands now yeah. but uh, I wouldn't uh, no, have a Patsman's <laughs> early it's just um, Celtic Frost um, would have opened the doors for a lot of us That's um, right, yeah, yeah. Um, incredible incredible band um, so from there where would you have gone from? Like Battery as well. Like oh, Battery. battery, battery, battery. Yeah, yeah, battery yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Yes. Like, that was just, um, that was like the prototype black metal album under the sign of the Black Mark. Right. Yeah. I mean, what came afterwards was kind of, you could nearly say it mimicked the sound yeah. that they had in that. Like, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. That was 1987. Right. right. Unbelievable. When I heard that album back then, it blew my mind completely. Yeah. I, I couldn't believe what I was hearing. Like, you know, I remember reading a review, I think it was Kerrang, and they said Quartin has some of the most alien, alienating voices on the planet, like, you know what I mean? And okay. they weren't far wrong, like, I mean, yeah. the album's unnatural, like, you know what I mean, yeah. for, for its time, like, you know? Yeah, 87. Yeah. 87, wow. Um, then, we'll say, like, when actually did it get that extreme? Can you remember a change? I suppose it is going back again to that uh, Lord's Chaos movie. Um, I keep referencing that. But when did it actually change to become really extreme, really elitist, because there is a there is a, a section of I suppose is it Norwegian or Sweden that kind of went that way that brought it an extra step further. And you being the expert, that's why I just want to know. Um, I suppose the whole lifestyle aspect is it. I suppose that when they like a lot of people at the time kind of um like there was this so called inner circle in Norway, like you know what I mean, which you know certain bands adhere to. Euronymous is kind of leader of that whole. That whole uh, inner circle as such, and um, of course you were talking to them. I, spoke, I actually spoke to you, Animus, on the phone. You okay. know, I phoned. Did I mean, you? I did you? Well. You know, and I used to write to him as well. Like, you know what I mean? But uh, it was always nothing like you'd see in the film. Very, very pleasant guy. Very, very mannerly. Jeez. You know, yeah. uh, on the phone, like uh, no issue at all. Say with letters, 
none of this kind of uh, you know you know die in pain and kind of stuff yeah. like it was, it was always very polite okay. you know most of them were like you know what I mean mm-hmm. yeah um that's probably one of the things in the film that's probably blown a bit of proportions. The the characters like you know what I mean are a bit you know exaggerated. Exaggerated, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? But um I suppose it was the whole the kind of the whole far right kind of uh burning churches because they're built in sacred Viking soil, like you know what I mean? That's okay. that's where the whole uh, you know, lifestyle black metal thing kind of yeah. came together, like you know what I mean? So um, um But the music didn't reflect that, did it? Um music Maybe the lyrics as such, but not the music itself. Like, you know what I mean? I right. think the music, they, to me, the music was probably no more extreme than what Battery were doing five or six years earlier. Like, yeah, you know what yeah. I, mean? I don't yeah. think so anyway. It's right. one year, like, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. there's another band there. Um, oh, Entombed. Entombed, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. You a fan of them? Yeah, I love the first couple of albums. Yeah, right. you know, Left Hand Path, Clandestine. Yeah. Great albums, you know? Yeah. You so, know? like, um, you could kind of see it. They were kind of actually in kind of branching out themselves as well you know i suppose with every scene that's there there is subgenres uh that kind of came out of it um it never kind of got that way it just died didn't it really yeah, which yeah. was a pity yeah you know it is yeah i think what, what happened was trash was kind of on the way out and people were looking for the new extreme like you know what i mean yeah. and dead metal was the logical you know thing for next that step, like, that's yeah. actually a good yeah. point yeah, yeah that's step, the way it like, went yeah. you know back then everything was kind of the faster the better i remember when napalm did release scum yeah. back in 87 that's right. people just couldn't believe it like it was just a wall of noise like you know yeah. what i mean you know but um it was just like it had to, everything had to be harder and faster than what came before like you know yeah and that's what the kids wanted back then was you know the heaviest heaviest that you could get like you know what I mean? yeah. so that's where the death metal came in you know a lot of those bands that didn't really tour so how would you how would you see them well, I suppose Entombed did probably tour. Um, I know they played in the UK and stuff around 91, like, you know what I mean? Right. Um, there was a good few, like, I remember Nocturnus played, Morbid Angel played. I seen Morbid Angel in Unleashed in Dublin back in 91, like, you know yeah, what I mean? Um, Death played Dublin twice. First Have you time was, seen Death, yeah? Yeah, I seen, I seen him first time was without Chuck. Um, that's when they played a creator that time in 1990, the top hat. Yeah. Right. And uh, the second time uh, was in, the, in McGonagall's. They played at Low Blast, and that was with Chuck, like, Gee, you know. Brilliant. You know, so there's a fantastic gig, like, you know what I mean? Yeah, brilliant. You know? There's another venue there, McGonagall's. Yeah, Oh, yeah, brilliant yeah, venue, yeah. 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 Um, any memories of that? Any particular bands? Sacred Reich, um, uh, Morbid Angel Unleashed, um, DRI, um, Atrophy, Sacred Reich. A trophy uh, and Sacred yeah, Reich? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jesus. You know, okay. Kevin Weenan, actually, a guy from y'all. Yeah, no, Kev, yeah. He actually came up to us at that. Did uh, he? For that gig, Did yeah, he? yeah. That's why I got to know Kev initially, like, okay. you know what I mean? You know, but um, uh, who else played there? Carcass played there. Uh, Boltor played there initially. Um, Morgoth Massacre and Immolation played there in nineteen ninety one. Yeah, so that, uh, so you did yeah. yeah. some some gigs in there. Yeah. Savage amount of gigs yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. There was yeah. You know. Yeah, another place that's gone. Yeah, yeah. Acid Rain actually, I saw them in August eighty nine, six months before the Henry's gig. Yeah, yeah. and Killer Watt supported them. Did that they support time? Him, yeah, up in <laughs> McGonagall's. <laughs> you know, so. And Sabat, I saw Sabat there. Oh, yeah. Sabat well. and Zentrix. Yeah. And Zentrix was the first of four times I'd seen them. They supported Sabat, November 89, and they played three more times after that. Like, They're know? a brilliant yeah. live band, aren't they? Brilliant. Have you seen them? I have, I've seen them a few times, yeah. They came yeah. to, did they, no, did they come to Cork? Did they? Zentrix, 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 yeah. They, they, they came to um, Nancy's. Nancy Spains, yeah. Nancy Spains, yeah. 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 Um, was that Shattered Existence or one before that? It might have been Shattered Existence. Shattered Existence, I'd say, yeah. Yeah, yeah, was, yeah. Was, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, like, you know, getting back to Cork, you know, for venues and things like that, back in the day, like, as I said to you earlier on, 
Henry's and stuff like that. Like, I don't think too many people is amongst ourselves, outside of ourselves, would know about the time that uh, Shanker played there. Michael Shanker played in Sir okay. Henry's, you know. And as you said, we'll go up at about uh, Wolfsbane. Wolfsbane, yeah. They played yeah. Cork. Did it. That's they right. down with Mojo's. It was Mojo's. Well, inside Mojo's. That's what they did. You're yeah, yeah. I went to that, like, yeah. you know, and I'd say there was some Mojo's. wasn't no. ginormous, like, you know, and there right. was... Uh, Blaze Bailey was singing with him oh, with his Blaze band. Bailey, yeah, yeah, yeah. Went on maiden, uh, yeah, and yeah. Um, that was it's uh, late eighties or it was around, around that, like you yeah. know. And we'd heard about him, and we'd seen you know the albums they brought out, and we said we could never look. And Jesus, was only about I'd say fifty or sixty people in there, like. But it was a, it was a good good gig to catch, like you know. Yeah. Band, the band were brilliant. The guitar player was superb, and um, I remember seeing. I was saying to Pat earlier, I'd seen. Um, I'm trying to remember the event, what the name of the venue was. It was Oliver Plunkett Street, but uh, Yule Roth, his brother Zeno Roth, guitar player as well, right. played some. I know it was the Black Bush or something, <laughs> as we said earlier. Yeah, yeah, some some club right. anyway, like you know. Yeah. And I remember going there was a late gig was kind of starting about half ten, eleven right. o'clock at night. Was it Zoys? Zoys, there you go. Zoys, Zoys, you're bang on. Yeah, you're bang on. So and we knew. Obviously with the scorpions and whatever you lay rot and things like that. So we said we go and have a look and like that again there was probably thirty or forty people in there, like, you know, but yeah, you know, kind of unusual gigs I went on that people wouldn't have yeah, how come heard of, like, you know. Who would have got Michael Schechner in though? That's bizarre. Yeah. It's a really yeah. strange one, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, it was um he'd watch call with him that time, um uh, Macaulay, a man Macaulay, the singer. And uh, but it was a great gig, and great your gig. photographic evidence, I, as it. I showed you the photos yes, earlier. That, which and they're is pretty good, you know, for a wind up camera back in yeah. that day, like know. you know, it was. Uh, I think a lot, a lot of cases back then, though, I think if the bands were playing Dublin, you know, yeah, they were put on the city hall as well. Like, there was a they few were, yeah, they were, they were because even if you go back through, you know, the old archives, there you can see you can, you can see the Glory Gallery Tour 84. That's right, yeah, he played Dublin, he played Belfast, that's right, on the first week of January, that's right, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, it was a run then back to Cork, was it, yeah, yeah, you know. Um, it made sense really to put bands on in Cork because you know they're getting value for money at least like you couldn't bring a band in just to play in Cork and have them to fly back because it, no. it wouldn't pay it wouldn't pay not at all um, did you play in a band yourself Tony? I did for for a while Richie back in the 90s Mortuary can trash Mortuary. metal band yeah. Yeah. you did the demo part of you did you write them? No, Tony you were supposed to give me a live tape or something I have I have I have we have a version of that yeah, for yeah, you. Yeah, We're yeah, going to put it yeah. into the CD for you. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know, did it come over the disc or what? But uh, I listened to it a few few months ago and it was good to reminisce because at the time Nancy's was really taken off, as you said, their obituary and Paradise Lost, Zendrix and, yeah. you know, some absolute cracking bands inside her. And a lot of these gigs were afternoon gigs, kind of, you know, they a lot, of, young, actually, a lot yes, of youngsters correct. in there, like, you know. Yeah. And uh, like, like the Schenker one there um, in Henry's, photographs. I would say, as I said to you earlier on there, I'd, we said my wife when we'd go, we'd always bring a camera with us. It would be right. one of the wind up ones and yeah. we'd wait a week or two and we'd go in off in town to Patrick Street and we'd hand him in over the counter and, and hope for the best. Hope for the best. <laughs> but no matter if they were good or bad, we'd always get about three copies done, okay. you know, so you could have three copies of a ceiling, but you might have three copies of, you know, yes. Paradise Lost, or, yeah. which we had like, you know. Really? And um, I have to bring you obituary. back now to uh, Martry. I'm intrigued. What were you? Were you trash band? Trash band, yeah, yeah, trash band. And uh, uh, what members were in the band? Can you remember? Yeah, um, Dicey. Dicey was um, a drummer, and um, absolutely, he was only a teenager. He was absolutely superb drummer altogether. Right. Uh, Rory Moore. Rory was a bass player, 
and uh, Alan Butt was with us and Mick O'Connor was singing right okay and, uh, and did any of those lads then go on to other bands yeah well um, Alan Butt and um, Mick went, Mick O'Connor they were with um, they, well, there was Mr um, Mr NSF and there was um, Judgment as well Judgment Jack yeah as well like you know okay and but at the time then you had Judgment ourselves and you had Chemical as well Right. So you there know, was three. There was three. There was there was about three or four bands floating around, and you know we used to all um, practice. There was a practice. There was practice rooms down George's Key. There okay. was um, Fitzpatrick's Junk Shop. Yeah. I remember. I do remember chat. And uh, the only way to describe it, and anybody that's listening, will just you know, it was like the young ones, the house the young ones lived in, <laughs> because when you walk in, there was no lights going up the stairs. There was three or four floors, and you'd be kind of feeling you up the walls till you get to the rooms. <laughs> And every room we passed, there was bands practicing, and ninety-five percent of the bands were trash or metal. Right. And there was some absolutely cracking guys practicing there, like you know. And how much did you have to pay for the rent? Then I remember. <sighs> oh it's, man, it's cheap is it? It was dirt cheap because we'd all chip in, and um, but you'd be in there, you might have an old party inside there, or you could be jamming. You go into the Phoenix to listen to metal, come out, go back up to George's Key. Plugging all the gear, the marshal lamps, the drum kits, the whole lot, and you'd be blasting it till two o'clock in the morning. <laughs> and the landlord then would come along and he'd run up the stairs and he'd walk yeah. and pull out the plugs. Into <laughs> oh, but um, as I said, there was some absolutely fantastic bands inside there. Um, guys who'd pass, they'd be playing Annihilator stuff down to a T, Alison, you know, Alison Helen, and they're kind of going, Mother of God. Yeah. It wasn't a record, it wasn't a tape, it was a guy playing, the band's playing these things, you know. How would um, a band back then get a demo? Made was there only one one or two studios? Wrong? Can any remember? Yeah, was there was um, there was, I'd say maybe two or three studios, and you know, uh, we didn't have the the gift of um, you know modern technology and no. digital and things like that. So you'd go off and you'd hire out uh, a studio for a day, right? And please God, you were all on the ball, and you'd go in yeah. and record your tracks, and and you'd have it on cassette. Then. You'd have it on cassette, then, like you know, okay. and you know, obviously burn off a copy for each other then yeah. like you know yeah, but yeah. as you said by the time you get to the fifth copy <laughs> it wouldn't sound as good as the first one at all um, that was really it for then a while um, in relation to Cork bands coming through mm. can any of you remember we'll say it, any follow ons through um, into the 2000s no it's, it's strange the, the reason I'm bringing it up is just that um, it kind of a lot of lads drifted away from it they did. I think I, I know a lot of lads who were there back in the say the late eighties, when the whole kind of Henry's kind of dance and ecstasy scene came along. Like yeah. we laughed, there was a lot of followers that time. Like you know what I mean? No, exactly. Fellas disappeared off the scene, yeah. you know, and we didn't see him again for years later. Right. Like you know what I mean? Um, I think uh, that probably probably hurt the scene a bit actually, didn't it? It did. It did, it did really. It did yeah. because, like, the potential potential for Nancy Spain's at the time was, as we said, incredible. Like you know. Uh, it wasn't as if we were short people there. Those gigs were busy. They were, they they were, were busy gigs. They were busy. Like, they were, there was a lot in of fairness, there, there was. That, you know? There was, um, you know, uh, there were fairly full gigs. Yeah. There were, like, you know, and it was it was a great, that was a great venue and great setup, you know. Yes. I actually remember, do you remember when Primordial played their first gig down here? Yeah. They played Nancy Spain's. Yeah. That was their first, uh, there was them, uh, Fifth Dominion, mm -hmm. they came off in Dublin, places packed to the rafters because Primordial you know, we're getting massive reviews through their demo, like, you know what I mean? Okay, yeah, and they had yeah. this kind of black metal persona, like, about them, like, you know, mm. right. Alan Aver, the same the singer, like, used to come out with the face, with the corpse paint on, That's right. with black candles and all that, like, you know what I mean? <laughs> and they had this very dark vibe about them, so, with the black metal thing, was kind of in 
in vogue at the time the place is packed I remember that like you know what I mean you know now before um, we move on uh, I asked Hoovy for uh, five of your favourite albums the album art just to clarify no these are album art not necessarily favourite no, albums no, oh yeah album art like isn't it yeah, yeah, yeah album yeah. art yeah. 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 Covers, like, yeah. so Pat uh, the first one for you was Celtic Frost uh, into the Megaturon what stood out for you for that it's just it's it's, it's a H.R. Geiger uh, painting like you know what I mean it just to me it just represents it's it's evil looking like you know what I mean yeah you know um, I just fell in love with it, it I, to be honest I can't even explain why it's just one of these things that um, you know, in, certain it. album covers you know yeah. that just resonate you from back then like you know what I mean and that's one of them like okay, you know cool you know? Uh, Tony uh, Black Sabbath Black Sabbath yeah like that no Richie as I said earlier first album I really heard from start to finish and just made such an impression on me and to look at the album I just said you know the that's cover itself is just that's the one with so, the mysterious yeah, woman and yeah it's, it's just so symbolic really like you know yeah cool. you know kind of one of the, the you know such a big influence in the, the metal scene like you know yeah. way back right um, back to you Pat Battery um, Bloodfire Debt yeah again it's um it's a 19th century painting right but the the whole team like the first uh, one of the first songs in the album the intro Odin's Ride over in Ireland okay that's pretty much what you see in the cover like you know what I mean I think yeah. it's just it represents it so well like you know that it's basically it I yeah. suppose you you summed it up there <laughs> yeah. uh, over to you Tony Judas Priest Painkiller yeah I suppose you know it's a I great album cover it's by a the way. great it's album cover really and cool. like that now again Richie it was just that I caught him on that tour in Dublin, in the SFX, and it was it was uh, just one of those gigs that blew me away. Yeah. It really was, and um, Halford and the lads were just on fire. And even in a small venue like that, the SFX was on the past great venue. Great yeah, venue. Was a great venue. He still was managed something. to get the bike on the stage, like you know. And mother of God, <laughs> the whole place was just shaking from top to bottom, and. And plus then was obviously uh, Annihilator was supporting like you know oh, was it yeah, yeah and nice was, that's, that's a great a combination absolutely superb like you know but uh, you know Painkiller great album cover just every time you look at it like you think it's back it's iconic to exactly it is yeah. it is um, Pat this is one I couldn't uh, find out anything about <laughs> it uh, yeah. Pat will tell you Savage Loose and Lethal Loose and Lethal yeah it's just do you know something it, it, the cover just screams to me heavy metal yes it this does, fella yeah. in a trike coming up with kind of what looks like an angle grinder in his hand and he's just <laughs> slashing into the side of it this guy's head this kind of armour guy's head it's just it, it's brilliant like it's nothing in terms of you know great art but yeah. it just screams metal it does it, yeah it's know? a great example you know? of it yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, again and this is one that's a that we all know actually Testament Souls of Black yeah just going back to the time on that tour the, the Clash Titans tour Richie really is just you know it was just such a day such a, a few days to be you know part of that tour part of that show and you know it, it was just such a great time to meet the guys and get the autographs and the photographs oh, sure, and, yeah of course you know yeah. so yes. that's it like it's kind of always I look back on you know he actually did um, the new order uh, practice what you preach the ritual and the very best of testament his name was William Benson mm. and souls of black yeah yeah so um, this is an easy one um, back over to you Pat Iron Maiden Killers yeah absolutely as I explained earlier yeah first time I ever saw that record picked yeah. it up you know didn't know anything about Iron Maiden you know what yeah. I mean but just the logo and the art just drew me in completely and I just yeah. just had to get it, like, you know what I mean? It's yeah. just, it's one of these albums, like, it's stood, it stayed with me since I was a kid, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I still love it to this day. Yeah, Even when I take it out and still look at the artwork, 
it's still, you know, blows my mind. It is, and it's a good example of um, the genre of heavy it, metal. It is, yeah. yeah. You yeah. have a monster holding an axe. Exactly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and this is actually good. Um, it's Iron Maiden, Number of the Beast for you, Tony. Yeah, uh, coincidentally, I was actually thinking of Killers myself as well. Okay. For that, like, you know, but uh, no, Number of the Beast is just one of those ones, you know, growing up, you kind of, it was just when Maiden were, on the ball, like it was a great time for him at that stage, you know, and it was just one that I look at and kind of go, yeah, it was a really good time. Here's one for you, Derek Riggs, as we all know, is the artist, but um, he doesn't do any painting anymore because he got uh, heavy metal poisoning from the paint. So he does digital art for him now. Right. So there's was that a, the whole reason he fell out with Maiden? Or just yeah, well, no, it was, uh, is it Rod, Rod Smallwood? Rod Smallwood, you're yeah, the manager, yeah. yeah. yeah he, they really annoyed him. He was fairly critical of him, actually, yeah. but yeah, that was kind of moved on from yeah. him then you know yeah which yeah. is a pity because i mean he's yeah. he's iconic yeah you know mm. really um like pat uh creator pleasure to kill yeah fairly no. iconic as well it's fairly iconic yeah and the, like pleasure to kill like the art sums it up it's done by a guy phil over he does he did a lot of covers for noise noise artists back then back in the day you're spot you on know? correct yeah. yeah um he did detro halloween uh Vendetta. Vendetta, I, yeah. That's right. Do you like them? I do, I love them, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a yeah. great band. Um and the last one over to Tony, which is which is a, a great one actually, Motorhead Overkill. Yeah. As I said, you know, not everybody's cup of tea, but huge Motorhead fan and you know, as I said, Overkill, great album, great cover. You know, obviously you've other ones, but it's just one of those ones that you'd spot a mile away yeah it's just kind of just mean it means a lot it's a great really graphics great on it like you know yeah you did that in a week and a half wow. the artist wow so um so that's it lads um thanks a million for coming uh, you know it went fast didn't it, it went fast yeah, yeah yeah it did it one did, hour did. and eight minutes but even yeah. even there richie speaking the killers before we go like, yeah go on uh, yeah paul diano above nancy spain's that's right remember that i yeah, do yeah yeah when was that that was 2005, was it? Yeah, 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 and yeah. he played much golf afterwards. Then a few years later, he played inside in um, Cypress Avenue as well. He did. I only he saw him in the 90s, though. the 90s, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I How wasn't too impressed, to be honest. Okay. Mm-hmm. I How was you? Do you, you think he was good? <sighs> there was hardly nobody at it. No. Really? And the, yeah, yeah. And, the same, and the same night, I think Maiden were involved in some ginormous tour. Like, they were, I don't know, was a rock and Rio or something like that. Yeah. And I'm looking up and kind of going, you know, it's... Oh, how the two things you know vary like you know yeah it's ironic yeah, isn't yeah, it? it is really yeah and and uh the vocal performance from him on you saw two was it tony yeah, yeah two yeah and nancy's and um do you think it was the right decision to get rid of him i suppose he like the band were on the road they were on the way up like you know but he was he was big into drinking drugs at the time like you know yeah, right yeah so he was um i think it was a Probably a good decision by the band, too. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. At the time, I suppose he had yeah. to like. Would you listen to the first two albums more so than the later ones? Uh, it's a nice treat to go back to them, I think. It's good to it go is, back to them, yeah. yeah. But there, I think they were different. I think, to be honest, like those first two albums came out, like they were firmly rooted into a whole new wave of British heavy metal. That's right. And they yeah. have a slightly different sound yeah. when Bruce joined, like, you know what I mean? That's right. Yeah. It was a bit bigger punk influence. And, uh, oh, definitely, yeah. You know, that was his influence there, like, yeah, yeah. You could tell. They were almost two different bands. Yeah. They're both, I love both. Especially you know, especially when Bruce came from Samson and you yeah, know exactly. joined them there, like you know. Yeah. It was a great addition, you can't it was, it anything, was, like, you know I mean? As you said earlier, Pat, they, they put on they put on great show. Oh, yeah. They oh, never they never they never leave it only. No, absolutely not. You know? no yeah, yeah. Okay. So um I just want to give two shout outs to uh 
Metal Radio Ireland for tagging me and um, Carl from Two Tales of Woe. Uh, listen to his podcast, King Woe's Court Podcast. It's um, basically doing a lot with what I'm doing. Um, he's interviewing some great bands, so um, be sure to check that out. And also um, check me out on Spotify and iTunes. You can contact me through the metal cell at gmail.com on Facebook and Instagram. So again, lads, absolute pleasure. Flew, and uh, I hope you all enjoy it. Uh, over and out. Nice one. Thanks, Richard. Thanks, Richard. Thanks, Cheers, great man. night. Thanks. Thanks.